Welcome back to an Omnia Paradis. I am your host, Jay, back with a special this episode with the famous Matt, also known as Allie's husband, my big for my sorority. And in this episode, we talk about our perpetual pet peeves of inefficiency, ways we would correct and or handle social situations, slash awareness and empathy we should all have for others. I hope you enjoy. She she's under here. She's very alert. She any minute Allie's probably gonna get home and then I'll have to unleash her to her and close the door. But she's she's been good. I had to leave her. I went into the office for the first time. Well, not the first time. I went in and Allie started her job this week. So it was the first time that Scout was left alone during the week for multiple days. And so she she was a very good dog though. She went to the bathroom in the house where she was supposed to and she was very excited when I got home. Did you put on that dog TV? I put on so Alexa will play like dog music um, and I, the thing is I put on the first day thinking it would play throughout the whole day and then I got home and it had stopped but usually we just put that on one is probably less energy than a TV and yeah it's just easier so you just ask Alexa to play dog music and they play like some ambiance like violin classical music that probably does nothing but it gives me more peace of mind that she's distracted that's also just such an LA thing to do like we play music for our dog well yeah and I don't even know if there's I haven't even looked up if there's any scientific evidence that it actually Actually helps I'm sure there's not or it's like very hard to prove but I like to think that it does she's also doesn't run like she used to cry at the door or bark whenever he left she doesn't she just sits on the couch and just looks at you and it's just like all right see ya which is a good sign that like she knows we're coming back and he doesn't care as much or so I mean it to her 20 me being gone 20 minutes or six hours is no difference it's just I think all of it is just for the owners to have some peace of mind when they leave because we're probably worrying a lot more than the dog is worried when we're away. Yeah. So Matt, very important thing we have to start off with. As Angela is off busy doing things, you are going to be my resident warrior expert. What? Why did Draymond Green punch Jordan Poole? Oh man, I actually, I actually texted Angela, I think that day or the next day and we were talking about it. So you saw it. What was like your initial reaction as a not huge basketball fan? I know it was Draymond Green, which Angela has told me is the splash uncle and Jordan Poole I have never heard of. So he's, I assume he's newer, but they weren't near each other when it happened. And like Draymond, Draymond, like, it seems like he like sideswipes him, goes back and then he goes back and like fully hits him against the hole of the hoop for apparently no reason. Yeah. So, well, first off, I'm actually drinking out of a Warriors cup. There's a lot to, there's a lot to wrap around, like just to give you a, a, like a very, very quick breakdown of the history of these players. Draymond's been on the team for years. He's a big part of the culture of the team. He's won multiple championships. Jordan Poole has been on the team for three years. He's fairly young. He's an up-and-coming star, and he's well-beloved by the team. They're both free agents to be. Actually, no, wrong. Draymond's going to be a free agent after this season, which means he can either sign back with the Warriors or he can sign with another team. He wants a lot of money. He is an aging player. He's not as good as he used to be, and the Warriors have to pay a lot of other people, including Jordan Poole, because they want to keep him. He's a young player. He's good. So they're going to have to pay him a lot of money. So the speculation has been that Draymond is upset that the Warriors are not going to reward him for his work over the 10 years, and they're going to pay other people who have been there less and are younger and haven't proven themselves. Like As a basketball fan, you hear about like locker room stuff. You hear about fights like this. It's not unnatural. I think that when the video came out, it made it worse because it's a really bad video. It's a really bad 
thing that happened. It's kind of one of those things where I think people who follow the team and who support the team should know or should see how severe it is. I mean, people need if your action, you need to pay for your actions. You need to be remorseful. And while I think keeping it all internal helps the team move past it, there also needs to be some accountability. So I think that Draymond came out and said all the right things. I think he he stepped away from the team. He apologized. He made it known that he's a flawed human that needs to work on himself. I'm sure it's not the first time that he's done something like this, but I don't know. At the end, it was a good way of handling it as an organization. And I'll give the Warriors team that. They, they know how to handle these things. They have a good leader and staff who knows how to, who's even killed, who knows how to like bring people together. And I think it just highlights, like if this happened 10 years ago, five years ago, I don't think there's as much mental focus on the mental side of things with with human beings. And I think this is a good example of how to how an organization, how people need to go about this. Draymond, it's not about you. Whatever you're going through, whatever personal stuff you're going through, you did something and you're wrong. And he came out and said, Jordan's feelings, Jordan, the way Jordan wants to get back into a relationship or not is up to him. And I think that that is a good reflection of how people should be and how people are more open to be now, if that makes sense. I think there's a lot of, a lot more empathy in situations like this, when usually a person would just think about themselves. Now it's, okay, I'm thinking about myself, but how did my actions hurt somebody else? And how did it reach to their families, to to other people that love this person, to the organization? So long story short, it was awful. It was crazy to see. I think it was, it was something that the entire country, if not world, saw, which is kind of crazy to think about, like that will live in infamy. And even people that don't like basketball or don't watch basketball that I know were talking about it, which is just speaks to the magnitude. But I think they'll be fine. I think they'll be in contention still. And uh, it was just a crazy 48 hours to kind of see that stuff. But like, was it his mere presence existing that like set Draymond off? Like, did he say something? Like, was it just like seeing him and he was like angry? So Draymond says that it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about Jordan. It wasn't anything personal to him. He was going through a rough patch personally. He was going through some things that um, he didn't know how to deal with. And it was something that just kind of vented towards him. Oh, shit. So we don't know if that's true. We don't know if that's the case. We'll never know. But I think we've all, not to defend the actions because it was wrong, but I think we've all been in a, a space where we haven't been able to deal with our feelings and then we kind of direct it in a place or to a person that it shouldn't be um so it seems like what he is saying is it was just that on a extreme level because that was a hit well yeah he his knees buckled he like that was a if you watch it like he he wasn't expecting to get hit and then he got smacked and his like his whole body kind of buckled i mean it's it will be interesting to see how the team comes out of that they're a world-class organization they have great leaders any other team i think it would crater them but as with anything in the news it will i'm sure people will create memes and they'll pay attention to it but something new will happen in 24 hours and that will be an old story i believe you're muted as is everything recorded now it's just crazy as a joke we pronounce for phonetically sagooing into what this episode is going to be about it's just crazy to me what people will do like knowing cameras exist nowadays and like that anyone like with the hit of a button like which I think does show kind of like the mental and like biological side to humans that like things like this happen but it's just crazy when cameras are everywhere and instantly even if you're in the back of someone's video like people are doing all of these like man on the street type videos or oh like I know you're not on TikTok but like oh here's a hot guy at a bar and then like behind him could be a 
guy cheating on his girlfriend or something. Just it's so crazy what people risk knowing that we're always being surveilled in some capacity. Yeah, I, I think about that all the time where it's it's not that people not that the technology should scare you into being a good person, essentially. But there are there's a lot more landmines out there, for lack of a better phrase, where if you're out of line, you do something wrong or you cause harm to somebody else, it's probably going to get out more than ever now. And I think that that just speaks more to one. I think that that dude, I think Draymond obviously needs to get some help. And I like if I was the Warriors, I would find them, which they have, and I would mandate some anger management or some therapy. I don't know that they will do that, but I think that somebody like him who just doesn't know how to handle his emotions like the the thought process of somebody filming them or the possibility of that getting out doesn't cross their mind they're not held back there's no filter there for them to sit back think say probably shouldn't do this and not do it i think they that's just not a step that they take and i think that even being self-aware being conscious of that and i think a lot of people aren't either born or practice that a lot. And when you get into world-class athletes and famous people, the less they usually do practice that because the re- the repercussions of me doing what he did to somebody random on the street or in a basketball game is a lot worse. And I'm going to get a lot more trouble than somebody like him. And they know that subconsciously. And unfortunately that doesn't, it, yeah, it prevents them from practicing that and it lets them or enables them to do stuff like he did last week. Completely. On the topic of self-awareness, which I think is the first step in what I would like to go through, as I had you on this podcast, and as Angela and I have mentioned many times, we were very intimidated to have you on because what are we supposed to speak about? Because you are, in our eyes, per- perceptively killing adulting and doing all the things, owning a house, having a dog, being married, all the things that like check the boxes are correct and like have a good job. So like, I don't really know what to talk about. But I sent you a TikTok a little bit ago that I feel, and after visiting, obviously, you and Ali in LA, I feel like you and I have some very similar opinions slash I think should be facts of how one should operate themselves in the world and and then in accordance operate with others when some of these disagreements, miscommunications arise in the world. So I sent you a list. I also have a list going. But to start off with, I can tend to be very pessimistic and think the worst of humanity, but I'm in therapy and paying a lot for it. So we're going to try to phrase this that I have so much faith in humanity that I think we can raise the bar and what it means to be a good and kind person and that people should listen to what we're saying and how they should change and or alter their opinions and behaviors when they're interacting in public spaces. Obviously, we have a disclaimer that people come from different cultures, life experiences, have different abilities mentally and physically. So this will be in humor, but like maybe if you see or hear something that you do, you can stop it or continue a good behavior. Yeah, well, I mean, first off, thank you for the kind compliments. Uh, While uh, it might appear like that, all the time um, or when you come to visit I can assure you life for me is just as hard it has its ups and ups and downs and I constantly feel like it's a work in progress and I think that all of us are doing really well in what in what we do and that's something to be applauded so I don't at all see myself on a pedestal ever and uh, sometimes to a fault but Again, thank you for the compliments. And uh, I am very excited to be on here. And I'm very excited that the topic, uh, even though I'm, I probably will sound like an old get off my lawn man about all this stuff <laughs> for a long, for the whole 
episode. I think we've talked about this when you when you have come out of like there's just things that they're pet peeves or things that drive me crazy. And it's it's a lot out of what we talked about earlier with the whole Draymond thing. Actually, it's people don't take the steps to hold themselves accountable. They don't have self-awareness. They don't have empathy, right? Like the awareness and empathy are, are really big keys to being what I think is a common good person is that you are you know what your good sides are, you know what your bad sides are, you know what you need to work on, you would know what you need to kind of finesse. And you also can understand that other people need to do that as well. And so something that I constantly am working on myself and, and I've gone through therapy as well of is I have this ultra need for like efficiency, like inefficiency is the thing that drives me up a wall. Like I, I can't stand it with people just because I don't understand how they don't have empathy for what they're doing. If somebody is on their phone in a car and holding up traffic, it's I don't understand how that person doesn't know that that is wrong and that is causing other people like harm or to be late or something like that's that's my thought process is how are you not aware to know that your inefficiency is is inempathetic or not empathetic to other people and so that's kind of like trifecta that I'm constantly thinking about even like I said probably too much because Mm -hmm. at times I need to have empathy for other people being who they are and that's just how it is I can't control everybody in certain situations but it still drives me freaking crazy so I can still have fun with it and yell at people oh completely I'm very much on the same page I think that I echo everything you say I think inefficiency I know personally a lot of it comes I'm like very I like to have a lot of control and I think people who like efficiency like control because like if like you do step a and to step b like then step c should be like what you can predict and control like what's going the outcome's going to be and when things get out of that it can be really it like throws personally it throws me off more than it should because I'm like no but I left at this time because the uber was coming here and then I allotted 10 extra minutes for traffic and therefore like I should be here arriving for the brunch that I already have predicted typically you know our friends I predict I know they're going to be 20 minutes late so I set my uber for the time that they're actually going to show up rather than the reservation I made yeah and the, the unpredictability is though is that you order the uber when you want to but the uber runs into traffic on a way there exactly. and throws you off course it's frustrating in, in the moment but it's also understanding which is hard to do of I can't control that and and, and so it's it's a constant like it, it goes through waves like some days I just am heightened to every little thing that throws me off or or is inefficient some days I'm very much like it is what it is and that's been a constant up and down I guess not to not to hijack your podcast but like what's the what's the biggest pet peeve that like throws you off a wall there are like it, it all goes back to the same thing which like I think you were saying like it's inefficiency and unempatheticness and for me I put it in like kind of the entire entitlement category like you think you're entitled to waste my time like I I think very black and white often it's a critique I get like so I think very binary like punctuality is like a big thing I've had to work on with people like if you're not on time it's because like I assign a reason which is you don't value my time as much because if you valued my time as much I left 10 minutes early knowing for traffic so why didn't you leave your 10 minutes or whatever allotted so for me it's like of that's how I look at it but it's the same thing like I guess like it's like a you think your time your your time your energy whatever is more important otherwise you would perform x well and I don't disagree with you and I think one point I've come across is let's say somebody is casually late to brunch and that drives you crazy and your point is you don't think it's important enough would that same person if they were working at a job casually be late every day to their job no and that's because that is important to them that they know not to do that. 
But when it's something that's not their job or that's not something that's a super big reservation or whatnot, there there's like casualness of I don't need to be there on time. To me, to your point, that doesn't ring true. If if I make plans with somebody, I want to be there on time no matter what it is. I'm not going to just go into it thinking I'll try to be on time, but if I'm not, I'm not. Like if I and if I am late, I'm gonna be super remorseful of it because I know I think my time is valuable. And so I need to respect that time is valuable to that other person. Equal footing. It's not somebody else is higher and you're lower or vice versa. And so that's sometimes what irks me is that that person, whoever it is, has the common knowledge of what it means to be late to something important to them. But when it is something else, they lose that knowledge of tardiness or being on time or whatnot. So to your point like people aren't capable of it they know the difference of right and wrong they just are lax in some situations when they're and really stringent on others the thing that to me is even worse because i know a lot of people in my life who have a very strict like work persona versus like at home and they don't want to be as rigid at home which i completely i don't agree i don't fundamentally like not my values but i can understand mm-hmm. my issue is when i see it happening with other pe- their social like socially with other friends is when it really drives me nuts he's like oh it's not even a thing of work versus home life it's a you think I don't know what in our relationship or what I've shown you and again this is my interpretation that like I'm it's okay for like Jay will understand versus so and so else won't understand yeah and and that's I guess where like this comes down to holding boundaries as well I guess because it's you have that respect and that desire to be a good friend to that person and they should as well to you and if you're seeing that with if you're seeing different treatment among different friends and and different treatment towards you then that's something that's either personal or something that they just don't understand yeah and I think that that's like I don't want to say have like a quick leash with people but it's kind of like if it continues there's a reason right and there's a a reason for it because again I, I think with all of this like your point, all of these situations, a lot of it is, oh, well, they don't know, or oh, they're just going through stuff. Like the, the, It's a tricky thing to try to pinpoint how to, to give them that leeway. Because mm-hmm. I do think people are more conscious of their of their actions than they give. I think mm-hmm. that saying that sometimes excuses are very valid. Sometimes things happen, sometimes mm-hmm. you can't control them. But I do think that you can set yourself up to hit the marks or, or be on time or like I'm very much a 10, 10 step ahead person or I try to be. Mm-hmm. So when people use traffic all the time, it's like traffic is an excuse, especially if you know when the reservation is or when you need to be somewhere. We have apps, we have technology that can tell you when traffic is heavy or not. So you need to, the same way I plan for that should be the same way you plan for that. The problem is we're getting into the nitty gritty of like personalities of people's past of how they're raised and how they how they make decisions or live their daily life. And that's the hard part for I think people like us is and again, I don't say that as we're superior or inferior or anything, but it's is a diff there's that's where the empathy side comes from us of I don't know how they're raised. I don't know how they they work in their inner self or how they take steps to do Mm. things in a daily life. But to me and you, it sounds like it's the same thing where it just drives me crazy or drives us crazy because we are thinking about that stuff. And maybe that's we need to chill out every once in a while and not (laughs) do that for our own health or we just need to meet halfway. Uh, both sides need to kind of do work to get to a better balance of that. So it's not always on you or it's not always on your friend. Kind of. of course, because like one of the things I do is like I work it all the way through. It's like, okay, so let's say all of my friends are really out to get me and like intentionally know what punctuality means. And they're all just like 
screwing me over. They're just they're just messing with you? They're just messing with me. Like they're all being like really shitty humans. Then it's like, okay, great. That means I also have picked out to let really shitty humans like be my friends. And it's like they it's like it's a thing of clearly if they knew like what how much weight I was assigning to this, I'm 100% sure my friends would all do their best and over the years have gone I will say have gotten a lot better with this but like clearly it's just not in their like brain chemistry to assign it what we assign it it just it's not in there because I'm I think we both have friends who are very caring loving people who will be there when we really need them who are going to perpetually be late for brunch yeah I mean my perfect example is is Allie is my wife excuse me we are (laughs) we are complete opposites when that's in in that regard she is I don't want to say notoriously but she is often she we are she's definitely type a and I'm type a extremely type a Uh and so over the six years that we've been together it's a lot of massaging and getting to a sweet spot like she's never going to be the type of person I am and I'm never going to be the the loose kind of not not planning everything type of person that she is and neither side is right or wrong, but it's taken a while for both of us to kind of, we've both put in work. Like she, she is definitely more stringent or, or schedule setting or on time on her end. But I'm also, I've also taken a step back and, and not made it such a big deal when we don't hit an exact time mm-hmm. mark or we don't do things exactly how it's planned in my head. And that's kind of what I'm hinting, hinting at. And it's, it's always a work in progress, but at least both sides acknowledge their, their faults and their strengths. And they're, they're trying to do it for the better of the, the person in the relationship, just as friends should do it for the other person in your friendship. And I think something that's, I mean, we're getting, we can get big big scale pandemic here, but mm-hmm. I think something in the pandemic and coming out of it, uh, or at least coming out of it a little bit now is the relationships and the focus on types of relationships and kind of how those are balanced and is something that myself and I think a lot of people are taking into consideration is, is reevaluating both sides of it, seeing how it operated, seeing if it was unhealthy or healthy or, or seeing if it leaned too much on one person or the other and kind of saying that wasn't in the past, I might have thought that that was healthy, but now it's kind of not. And and mm-hmm. I think that a lot of sides are open to doing that now. And I don't like with the Draymond thing, I don't think 10 years ago, people would put in that work. People would recognize that in themselves or people would, wouldn't want to do that for somebody else. Like people naturally don't want to do things for other people unless it benefits themselves. And I think that at least with people I know, there's, there's, I'm seeing a little bit more selflessness and I'm trying to do better for other people and not think about how it benefits myself. And so that's, it's kind of trying to surround yourself with people like that versus people that don't think that way. And that's kind of a constant thing to think about every day. Completely. One of the conversations I've been hearing a lot about, oh, unlike your wife, you watch Euphoria, so you'll get this reference. Yes. So one of the big points of season two that I was seeing is everyone's like, be a Maddie. Because the difference between Maddie and Cassie is Cassie is nice and Maddie is kind. And like, sure, we could like go into like how true that like fully is. But I think I've been hearing it particularly in um, BIPOC woman, like female women, whatever spaces about how 
like we focus a lot on being nice and like what is really being nice being pleasant and being agreeable but like what is it but like what we really want I think kind of what you're saying coming out of the pandemic a lot of us are trying to be kinder to each other which is like the real at least the difference I make is like really really trying to be compassionate and selfless and do what you can to be in service to others rather than just being like yeah like it's okay that you were late like I didn't have anything to do after this versus like actually that like really upset me and I completely get that xyz happened but like this is how I feel and like let's try to find a compromise let's try to repair something yeah it's it's kind of like like face value versus actually giving it some thought right it's yeah somebody could put on a smile and and you can think that they're they mean well and they're doing all the right things and they're trying to mm-hmm. be good in the relationship but they can just be putting on a smile and saying what you want to hear it's yeah. it's in those moments of confrontation or or that might be even a little extreme and it's in those moments of a little like speed bump where that's where you truly find those friends or those relationships of things don't need to be a big deal but they need to be addressed right it doesn't need to be some world war three or or we're bunny heads but if somebody is irked or somebody kind of is is thrown off or or hurts a little bit by something like it, it's not a huge deal to just talk about it it's not a huge deal to just discuss how it made you feel or the other person how it made them feel and that's I think there's still I think there's still a defensiveness sometimes when people bring things to you and and people feel like it's an attack and I think that it's gotten better but there's still work to do in relationships of I'm bringing this up not to say you're an awful person or not to say that I think ill of you it's it's more of yeah. hey like you're still my friend you're still this person that means something special to me but like and I, this, this relationship is important to me, which is why I'm bringing this up so we can mm-hmm. both move forward from it. And I think there's, I think that's been being recognized more than ever now, but there's still a lot of work in it. And I think just relationships are tricky overall like, to get to a broad thing. You're dealing with two different people and mm-hmm. whether it's friends or relationships or family or whatnot, you're dealing with two consistently different people that are going through different entire things and you're trying to find it's like the like have you ever seen a space movie where they're trying to like dock or they fly up and they're trying to dock on a station and there's like a dramatic thing where they're like always trying to match and then like latch on if you if you ever yeah if you ever watch any space movie they always have this dramatic scene and that just reminds me of what like a relationship is is there's like constant (laughs) movement on both sides and trying and get to the perfect position of, of I like getting what you want out of the friendship or, and the other person wants out of the friendship at the same time. And I think that those real relationships are okay existing in, I think the idea is that you will, you will finally be able to connect on that level. Mm -hmm. But in reality, relationships are constantly moving. They're never going to connect fully. And so as long as you're okay with that and both sides understand that, then I think that's great. I think that if you're constantly progressing and growing together in different ways, then that's fine. But you've got to acknowledge it and you've got to be empathetic to it and understand that there there will be some ups and downs through that. Definitely. And I think another thing which I've been working on, I love listening to Whitney Cummings podcast, Good For You, because she focuses a lot on like brain psychology. She's was an Al-Anon, so like 12 step kind of all of those things. And like one of the things she says a lot, which I've been really trying to work on, I've been always since I was a kid, I've been very pro conflict, which 
probably will surprise no one because I always viewed conflict as like if I have a problem I'm not just gonna sit with this when it involves some other participant to get to the other side of Mm -hmm. so obviously doesn't always work as a kid but I think it is better to be confrontational than passive aggressive which to me is the main alternative of that I think that I was definitely the opposite growing up I didn't choose confrontation because I didn't I wasn't maybe I was afraid of it but it's also I just would do the thing instead Mm -hmm. of doing instead of a confrontation I would just solve it because I yeah. figured I can just do it. I, I don't need the confrontation or I'm going to avoid the confrontation. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to do it myself. I think that now after years of work and the job that I have and therapy, it's it's that I think confrontation is a very hard word. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's not that it's not that dire. It's not that extreme. Yeah. It's just a conversation. And I think that I've tried to be the calming figure in whatever confrontation or some some debates. And sometimes I'm not great at it. Sometimes I lose my cool. But I do think that confrontation is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I think that as you probably agree, like it brings out things that should be brought out. It's all about when those things get out, how it's how it gets out and how people respond to that. And that's kind of my what I was saying of do you feel attacked? Do you acknowledge mm-hmm. that? Do you do you have self-awareness to acknowledge that you have those flaws or that you're adding to whatever conflict? Or do you just get defensive and you don't want to hear that you as a human as well need to grow with this other person? And that's, again, what you're dealing with when you have a relationship with another person, whether it's romantic or family or friends or whatnot. Like there's a give and take that is always a risk of, of blowing up because you don't know what that person is if they're working on themselves at all, or if they know, or they, they're self-aware of what they're doing or how they're, they're responding or acting. So it's, yeah, that's kind of, I lost my train of thought or what, what the initial question was, but, oh, it was confrontation, confrontation. I think that being confrontational is not a bad thing. I think it's just how you go about it. I think that it's how you, how the other person responds to it and how you approach it. So even if you are more confrontational, on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. You're not, you're being, confrontational could be a very healthy thing, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you mentioned is about like being able to receive the the person who confronts, being able to receive like the message. I also think though, for what you've been saying for healthy confrontation and for healthy conversation, both people need to come kind of to the table, taking care, I think the phrase like taking care, like take care of your street, your side of the street before you go onto anyone else's. So it's like going in, I don't see why, but you and I have never gotten to a confrontation and I don't see it happening over anything in the near future. But I think you- Yeah, but I think, (laughs) of course, but I think that you and I both, I mean, respect and have enough trust the competency of the other person to like be able to just kind of say it well and intentionally and like know where our shortcomings would be in that versus I think a lot of people when they're oh confront them it's like it is if you're getting hurt and something's consistently happening like yes you need to confront the issue but there's confronting like the dynamic of you and that person and what's triggering you and then like confronting that person like you make me feel sad like that's not a person can't make you feel anything it's like if you're getting sadness around this person and it's being brought out in this person maybe ask yourself why first before confronting them well and that's the that's the thing is i think in my position what i do like i'm a supervisor i manage people and i've done that at a couple of different companies and i've had to learn how to do that um, throughout the years and and that takes even outside of work working on myself and understanding people or trying to understand people mm-hmm. but what i've learned is that one very rarely is the thing that they are feeling about you yeah it's usually about something very broad 
or, or something they're dealing with that has probably been, childhood. Yeah, that is compounded into emotion and and is now being vented in a way that probably isn't isn't direct and is probably indirectly going towards you. And I think too, or I've learned to think or believe that if someone is bringing if somebody is heated or is bringing up emotion or rage or kind of stress, both sides can't do that. Both sides bringing stress into a situation is not going to help. Yeah. So. If somebody else is freaking out, excuse me, I'm going to do my best to try and not do that because that's not going to help. It's not going to solve anything. You just need to listen. You need to figure out what's going on. You need to do it in a calm manner. But I think to my first point is the more you understand the other person, the more you talk to them, the more you learn about them, the more you might be able to catch that it's not about whatever the situation they're talking about is. I think that more now than in the past, I've tried to get to know the people that I have relationships with on a personal level and not to not to intrude or try to really dive deep into their personal stuff, but to at least get to know them, what they're doing, like be very open to if they have some issues they're going through and or some successes that they're happy about. I think in the past, I've been really about like, oh, let's just keep it light. Let's just talk about happy things and, and sports and whatnot. But I do think that I'm more open to hearing about valleys as much as the peaks. And I think the more you get to know someone, and the more you know what they're about, the more you'll be, one, open to have those confrontational conversations because you know the person on that level and you have some respect um, both mm-hmm. ways. But you'll also be able to maybe sort out that, like I said, it's not about that. It's about something bigger that they're dealing with. And I think that that, again, is just working on the relationship with each other and being open enough to share those things and those emotions with each other. And that's not easy to do. You might even be ready, but that person might not. And at that point, you need to see whether it's worth it to you to continue that relationship. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. And I think that that's just something that I've I've learned is that you, you just got to be open to learning about the person and open to taking, if they come in hot, you just got to be able to sit there, let them vent, figure out what what is at the root of it, and then kind of talk them through it. And you hope that that person would do that for you as well. Definitely. My God, this episode was so much more like deep than I was planning on it. I know, right? The prompt you sent was like... It was very light. And granted, like, I think we can continue this, but if we want to segue out, I think the big thing that you kind of brought out in this conversation was like how to kind of deal with some of these inefficiency nuances, dis- discourse with people who you actually care about. And I think there is that for relationships you have and relationships you want to sustain. And then there's you're a human in the universe. So like dealing with stuff like that, where it's not building all of that. Well, now, now, can I cuss on this podcast? Yeah. Well, now we're getting into the the motherfuckers that I don't know that, exactly. that are inefficient. So I can rattle off the inefficiencies in people and the inefficient situations that drive me crazy if you want. Like the greatest oh, yeah. hits of just things that drive me bonkers. Ever since like I was like, oh, this is the topic I want to do with you. And I ran it by Allie first because I was like, what is she? Oh, yeah, you're going to like it's going to be a three hour long episode. Matt has a lot to say. I'm like, great. So do I. I started taking pictures and like links to TikToks and things like ever since I thought of this. It's like a four page long document. But the first one I'll start with is there was a wonderful event at a local park that um, me and my family went to. And it's like a there's an entrance and an exit way. And you have to enter one way, obviously, and you exit the other way. And there was a man on his cell phone looking for his family standing right in the entrance. And I'm like, this really boils down to self-awareness and empathy. Literally blocking the way. You couldn't have, like, if he had stepped four feet back, it, like, opens up into the park. But he was standing in the doorway. Yeah, it, that 
yeah, it's almost, I don't know how to respond. There's many things that I might, <laughs> and I might take, I might take an approach in a couple of different ways. I might say something to them as they pass. I might walk, purposely walk almost into them <laughs> to make a point. But yeah, that just is insane. It's yeah, that like, how do you not know you're in the middle of the walkway? It's like people, it's like families who walk side by side on the sidewalk. It's like, why? Why do you, why do you need to walk horizontally? You can half walk, you can stagger it. Like you're taking up the whole sidewalk either way and you want people to move around you. That that situation is less self-awareness and more entitlement, like you've said. Yeah. Um, I think as far as, I know you've had this list and the first thing that spots out to me is the number one thing or the number one thing you have listed mm -hmm. is lines. So it's yeah. not necessarily waiting in lines. It's people that, it's people at Starbucks or at places at restaurants or that you need to wait in the line. And one, it's not looking up to know when you need to move. Oh my God. It's, it's oh, I'm on my phone God. for the whole line and I'm not gonna look up. And then every time somebody moves, I'm gonna wait 10 seconds, look up and see, oh, now I need to move. And then I'm gonna walk slowly up. Um, people do that at airports too. And that's airports, Oof. airports are their own just yeah. twilight zone of awfulness which yeah. we can get into after this, because I think airports are like the, the mecca of people being awful. If you're in a line, if you're not the first two, I should say, if you're not the first person, there's no line and you go up, or you're not the person after them, you should be able to look up at the menu and figure out what you want by the time you get to the front. It's like, you're just standing in line and there's a huge fucking menu with everything that you can possibly get. And you should be able to know by the time you get four people up to the desk or up to the cash register what you want. So that's one thing. And second thing is have your credit card out while you're ordering. Yep. Like don't do this thing where you order and then they're like, that's $10 and you're like, Oh, I have to pay. And then you're like searching for your wallets and you have to like bring out your purse and your card. And it just adds 20 seconds that work. <laughs> so that's, I, yeah. it's like the insane, it, it, it's the efficiency that I'm insane about. But it's also it, when I go up, I know what I want. I have my card already out. I tap it immediately. I ask for their seat and I get out of there. One, it's respect to people waiting in line, but it's also respect to the person that's working that has to deal with us all day. And so I would rather him deal with somebody who's efficient that knows what they're doing rather than somebody who goes up, asks what's in every item on the menu and mm -hmm. then isn't ready to order what they want. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I have gotten screwed a few times because I assume I'm used to using Apple Pay on most things. So I have gotten screwed a few times where they're like, oh, we don't take Apple Pay. And then I've had to fumble for the card. But, I'm like, but you were ready. You were yes. ready to pay. That's Correct. different. That's different than like my wallet. My card is in my wallet, which is in my purse, which <laughs> yeah, I'm not fair. unzipping until after I've ordered here. And like that's happened so many times. That's why mobile order is a godsend. I think like mobile order is like, the thing is for people who like us, who have efficiency issue, I don't know why you wouldn't if there's a mobile order option to do it. Like why, not you, but I don't know why people would put themselves through waiting in like a line like that. When you know you're gonna be at the coffee shop at 10 a.m., pre-order it for 10 a.m., walk up and leave. Like don't put yourself through that. If you're somebody who regularly goes to a place and you don't mo mobile order, then yeah, some, that's something that you need to reevaluate about yourself. <laughs> but for people that are like, one-off going to there like there's an etiquette about again an etiquette about efficiency and empathy of yeah. just be a good person 
in that regard. Like know what you want, order it quickly, tip the person and get out of there. They, they don't want to deal with you. They don't want to tell you what's in every item. It says it in the description. They just read it. You shouldn't, they shouldn't have to walk you through what you want to order. It's also like, also, I'm sorry if I offend any of your listeners or yourself when I vent about these things, because I'm sure no, the chances are statistically there are people out here that do that. <laughs> Probably. Um, it's like people that ask the waiter, what's good? <laughs> <laughs> like one, they probably haven't tried everything on the menu. Yeah. Uh, two, they don't care. They just want you to buy something. So they're going to, if you say, is the burger good? They're going to say, sure. They're not going to, do you think someone's going to say no? It's not good. Or they want you to buy it. I agree with you, but I feel like it, that one is like, I don't know. I have a little more nuance for like the price tag on the restaurant I'm going to. Like if you're going to like a Chipotle or like, like a fast casual place, I think, but like if I'm going to like a nice steakhouse or I'm going to like an omakase or something like, and I have a few questions, I feel like that's like a different situation. That's fine because they usually are there to like, they're more sommeliers. They're, they're, they're yeah. there to answer questions. And also it's, I guess the phrasing could be like, I've done this before i've i've had two things that i've wanted and i'd be like yeah. what do you recommend out of these two i've never been like is this good because okay, again, yeah. they're yeah. gonna be okay. like yes it's good like okay, i work yeah, at this restaurant i want you to buy this so it's good they're never gonna say that's no that's a crap thing don't ever order that so i guess it's it's the phrasing of or the understanding that yeah they're never going to tell you it's bad but if you have two things yeah. you're deciding they'll tell you which one they recommend okay yeah i understand i agree with that i also think like if i'm being generous i think you get two substitutions per meal so like personally like i don't like condiments i don't i don't like american condiments and i typically i will like do i will kind of like that's like a kind of sweeping statement i'll make and then like if you're vegan gluten-free dairy-free like and you need to ask like i think like that's completely fair yeah thing. totally totally but like i think more than two order something else yeah and i mean you usually restaurants are good about having that on there but yeah i mean if you you have dietary restrictions or, or whatnot then fielding that question is not a problem and this is all to say like like i'm more mad and it's what you've mentioned is people not having empathy or understanding that they are they are doing this to people who make minimum wage and yeah. they make a lot of their money off tips they don't want to deal with you they're probably in a job they yeah. don't like and just have to do to survive and you're causing them more stress in their life when they don't want to be there like i i had two experiences a couple of weeks ago, like back to back, like breakfast and, and coffee. I went to like an afternoon coffee. So I got breakfast at a place and there was one person working it, one person Oof. working the cash register and one person going back to the kitchen to bring stuff and make smoothies for me. Ooh, gosh. And so I put in my order, it took about 30 minutes, but I knew that it was going to take that long given the situation. And this person, this lady kept going up and was asking about her order and then saying she was going to be late and sounds she, like a you she, problem yeah well and she wanted a refund because she was going to be late and they're like i have to get the manager to get a refund like it's going to take like give me a couple minutes and she's like no i'm going to be late i need to go now and she's like okay but do you want the refund or do you not and she's like yes but i need it now and then she just ended up getting up and leaving that's one thing where it's like it's one person this yeah. they're understaffed they're dealing with a bunch of stuff i get that it takes a long time, but that's something worth going in. You should have noticed that. You should have been aware Completely. enough to notice that it would have taken a long time for one person to do all of this. 
this. And then this is almost comical. I was at Phil's and Phil's mm -hmm. does this thing. If you've ever been where they'll, oh, yeah. they'll make it, they'll have you taste it. And they'll say, if it's good, great. It's yours. If you, if it's not good, yeah. we'll make it again. I always take that as a rhetorical thing though. Like, yeah, it, it tastes sure, good. It, Thank you. Bye. Absolutely. It's a dumb policy, but I get what they're doing because one, usually nobody does that, but two, what, like, it's fine. Like it's a, it's a kind thing that they do, but it's also a dumb. Policy. But so this person, this lady goes up, orders a drink and she takes a sip and she goes no it's not good and so they make it so they make it again they make it again and she tries it and she goes oh that's good thank you and then she takes another like she walks three steps away takes another sip and then goes back and says oh this is what this is not what i ordered and they go yes it is here's your receipts oh, and she goes oh you guys put the wrong thing down and oh, so there's a couple God. things and so they had to make a new drink so there's oh, a couple Jesus. things here one one she tried the drink initially and was okay with the wrong drink <laughs> on the first pass so it wasn't yeah. made it wasn't made properly but the flavor and the, the drink was still yeah. accurate and so they make the same drink accurately now and then she tries it and goes oh this isn't what i ordered but you didn't recognize it the first time you tasted it <laughs> not only did you probably not order the right thing but you also thought for a good amount of time that the wrong thing was what you ordered. so it's it's like you're being extra awful to these people that are making like hundreds of coffees for people in like two hours. One thing I put on this list that I was th I was pondering because like when are you like when because I've been seeing a bunch of on TikTok people like will recreate like terrible serving scenarios that they've suffered through people like eating entire meals being like, oh I didn't like can I have a refund it's like no you ate everything like you don't get a refund like I don't know what kind of world you grew up in a restaurant like no you ate it yeah. you you ate it you buy. but it's like when should like a good Samaritan like step in and like be an ally to the server or help or like when are you caring an establishment or a person and for me what I realized I think my line is is kind of like comedy like are you punching up or punching down on the situation so it's like if there is a person berating a server they're punching down so therefore yeah. I will I would step in or give an extra big tip to the server or do what I felt safe in the situation do if like they're punching up like someone's just trying to care in something it's like oh I'm not like no you're you're well, being an asshole well I think like the first example <laughs> I just gave I actually said something to her where I was like you need to relax and calm down yeah. and like she didn't acknowledge me I know of she course. heard it but of it's course. like that's one of those things where you said you're punching down to someone who is the only employee serving all of us making smoothies for everyone getting the food taking, yeah. working the register like you are taking advantage of this person and treating them awful and it's also you're treating somebody awful that is servicing you like I've never understood that where these people are are servicing you they are doing yeah. something that at the end of the day is kind of an inhumane thing like you're just you're having people bring you yeah. plates and like clean after you and do all these like kind of with, like laborious things yeah and we just normalize it and oh yeah it's we don't recognize that those people don't probably want to do that they just have to and so it's something where like even if i get a cup of coffee and they just like i'll just usually get pour over or they'll just pull the tab and yeah. fill whatever their, their pour over or regular drip coffee is i'll still tip that like i know they're not doing much they're not they're literally just putting a cup, filling it and putting a cap on it and sending it to me or handing it to me. But they still like, I can't imagine that their dream is to work that job. 
maybe it is maybe maybe it is and that there's more power to them and i don't judge them for that but i I would venture to guess that usually it's not and so they're being paid very little they're having to serve people all day and clean up after people and deal with awful people every day all day and so even another dollar on top of that coffee hopefully helps and i think that that like a lot of it comes from the fact that i've i've been lucky enough to one i've been at the lowest i've been like a pa i've been at the point where you're just servicing and you're running around town mm-hmm. and you're doing grunt work. And two, I've been lucky enough to be in a place where I enjoy what I do on a daily basis. And I'm lucky enough to do what I've always dreamed about doing. And so I have that respect or that understanding that these people aren't doing what they're doing. And they're probably they're probably working towards something else. And this is kind of a step to get there. And, and to put them down in that situation is just, it's not about them. It would be more about me. And it's just, it's not needed. It's not, if you're, if you're constantly putting somebody down like that, you got to work on yourself you got to do something about yourself because it's not about them they're doing the best they can and it's a lot about you and how something so little can throw you off so easily i have a firm belief i can't be president unfortunately because i was not born in this country but if anyone close to me ever does become president the first thing i would like implemented is so i've explained this before israel idf everyone ages 18 to 22 at some year needs to serve in some capacity volunteering or working for the military am i in favor of us all working for the military no but i do think between the ages of like 18 to 25, everyone should need to do two years of retail or the food service industry. I don't care your economic status. I don't care anything. I think you should have to in those years if you haven't prior because you know, some people need to work at 16 to like feed themselves or feed their families. But I think it is something that everyone needs to do. I thought, and I was pretty nice to retail and customer service workers before I did it. But after doing it, it is like until you're in a position where people literally like you say, like treat you like you're subhuman, like you're not a human, like you are your whole purpose and goal in that moment is to be their whipping boy like I don't know if we've canceled that term yet if we have I severely apologize um that like it's a kind of shock and like disbelief like you can't understand until you've had someone speak to you that way for something that is completely out of your control that's one of the things I have on here is like things that are above people's pay grade I don't understand how some people are so ignorant that like I worked at like a makeup store and like the big opposing makeup store Sephora people would literally come in walking like where's your Sephora products we're not Sephora we don't carry Sephora okay but like I bought them here before I'm like no you didn't I'm like okay can you show me they're like no but like can you carry it I'm like yes because I can go to corporate in another state and demand that, hey, this woman right here is that she's been buying Sephora products for 30 years and she would like it here yeah. because I'm making like minimum wage and like they really want my opinion on what brand you need in here. You're preventing them from getting what they need. How dare you? It's honestly insane like what you experience and like holidays are the worst. I don't know if there's an equivalent for being like a PA, but like holiday season and like retail and customer service, like people are like, it's like another breed of people who come out of hibernation just during holiday season. Yeah, I would, I've always said that I would never, or not that I would never, I would never be able to work retail because I would be fired in the first day (laughs) because I would not know how to properly deal with those people because I think it's awful. And I think, and more power to people that do that. I just wouldn't be able to. I think that, I I think that that that's a wise proposition for the two years in retail or customer service. I would even push it further in that I think therapy should be mandated for a certain amount of years for everyone. Um, I think that that, because I think that the root of the, the problem is that you put somebody in a situation of work in retail, they're never going to under, like they might be mean to them, but they're never going to understand what they've gone through or how, who they are as a person. Like a lot of how people act is 
because of how they grew up or the experiences they go through. And to properly understand that or, or be better is to go through therapy or to work on that in some yeah. way. And, and most people don't want to work on it or don't recognize it until somebody's sitting across from them pointing it out. I think that I, I just read or I just saw that they're starting to either mandate or they propose to mandate screening children for anxiety, which I think is a good thing because I think anxiety has been overlooked a lot. And I think that has come to the forefront recently because I think people just have correlated anxiety along with therapy or, or any mental yeah. She says, oh, that person's just crazy or, oh, anxiety is the main yeah. thing or, or whatnot. But mental health has really come up of, no, the, these are like chemical imbalances. These are things that are ingrained in people or they're built off ex- like really life ingrained experiences that yeah. people have trouble getting over. And so being able to, to treat that or to, to recognize that earlier on to hopefully combat it is a lot better than an adult being like, no, I don't need, I don't need help. This is just who I am. Yeah. I don't have a problem. Like, I think, I think teenagers and I think kids are more malleable or more yeah. open to understanding or, or trying to seek that help rather than an adult who is just like, nope, I'm, I am who I am and I don't have any issues. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. My one worry, which like, I don't want to like pivot off too much is about like over like label, not like I'm some like woke millennial who's like, I don't like labels, but like over like labeling children, I think giving children and teens therapy based like research backed skill sets of how to yeah handle situations but I think diagnosing things earlier when it's like are they anxious or are they nervous because they have a ballet recital sports game you you don't want to go so far on that side of the spectrum I hear what you're saying it's like you want to you want to find the right balance of recognizing that that could be something that's happening but not overanalyzing it on a on a scale but before we get to airports which i know you and i both have a lot to talk about the one other thing when you asked me at the beginning like what's my biggest pet peeve which i think does hit personal with my anxiety personal space so i'll go with this little anecdote and then we can get into it but i was at um i went to outside lands as i now do annually with my friends and for the last artist um i went to Elenium with my friends because they really like the djs and i'm starting to i like going to one live i'm a grandma i like one live edm set because like it's so like not saturating like it's so like when all your synapses and like senses are like it's very immersive going mm-hmm. to those and the the quote I walked away with which made them giggle was I'm like oh I get the head banging thing like when the music is in the bass is that way like you kind it's like a it's like a physiological response just kind of like move in that way what I did warn though as my first time I didn't fully head bang like my hair was too cute for that what I did warn though is you don't need to head bang within a six foot radius of everyone who is next to you there's still a way to contain your personal space and still move around a bit so so for me, personal space is a big thing. And I understand I was at a festival. Like I get that, like we all lack personal space. But I also think there is an awareness to have, whether it's standing in front of people at a concert who are shorter than you, if you were a tall person, or if the seats aren't slant. Being like, and then like I saw this TikTok about people who are like too rowdy in the stands, like too loud. And the thing is, I think that can get a little bit more subjective. Like someone's like, she was recording it in front of me. It's like, well, can you see? Then don't be bothered. I think it's like, what do you see the parameters of like when we're all sharing a communal space, the do's and don'ts of like this person, like the person needs to get over it versus you are obstruct, you are being like, when are you the asshole and when is the other person in particular? So I went to a concert, uh, we went to a concert at the Hollywood Bowl and we were, we were, we had decent seats and we, Who was well, it? we were, it was Heim. Of course. And, and so there was a, there's a screen. If you've ever been to the bowl, they have the screens on the side. The cameras are. I've seen the stage and have the strings on the side. And so 
the person next to me, again, we have decent seats, you can see the stage. The girl next to me, and she was, mm-hmm. she was with her three friends and they were on the younger side. So they were like teenagers or whatnot, or like older teenagers. They, con- she, they were constantly screaming. And I get it, it's a, big, it's a big concert venue. So it's more stadium than like a smaller venue. But like screaming where you, I don't understand why you're screaming because you can't hear the song. So like you're, <laughs> you're hearing your own screaming rather than hearing the song that you paid for. Yeah. But also there was a constant, the person, the girl next to me would constantly pull out her phone and take a video of the screen. The screen was on my right and she was on my left. Yeah. So she would turn her phone, put her phone in my face Oh no! Oh, and no. take a video of the screen. I'm surprised she left that venue with the cell phone knowing you. Well, instead of, instead of taking the video of the stage. So first it's, you have the weird disassociation where you paid a ticket to see them on stage. And instead <laughs> of taking a video of the stage, you're taking a video of the screen which is a camera of the stage and so when you go home or you remember and watch the videos of the concerts that you were at you're watching a video of a video of the concert you were at versus a video of the people on stage so that's one thing that is idiotic but another thing is yeah you're like i don't mind if you're loud or like dancing to the side but she's like waving her hands in front of my face she's moving the camera every time she records it in front of my face to the point where i literally moved the camera with my hand out of my face she didn't do it again but i was like yeah good don't do that it's to your point at a certain there's a there's a level of what you can say or do or control in those settings because you chose to go to a crowded venue yeah but if it's obstructing your time or your view, yeah. I think that's the right time where you can you can make it known that they need to stop or they've crossed that line. But like what do you think if like everyone is standing and you wanna sit? But like oh, you've got seats. What are your what, what are your thoughts? I don't like standing for the whole concert. I like sitting. I purposely yeah. go to venues where I can sit because I'm an old person. Um, but I know fully while I don't like it and I probably complain about it. I understand that I'm at a concert that if yeah. the majority are standing, I probably have to stand or be okay with sitting and not yeah. sitting. That I've seen videos of people were like, they were standing. It's like you grandma, not not like, oh, we're, we're, we're old millennial, like be like legitimate grandmas were like, we can't see it. It's like, but everyone is standing. The people in yeah. front of you aren't the only people standing at the venue. And I think someone got mad. They're, they're dancing in front of us. It's like, it's a concert. They yeah. don't need to sit because you're sitting. No, but I do see the I do see the other side of the argument of like you paid for the the ticket, you want to enjoy it in your own right. But you have to understand that they did the same. And yeah. and I I won't lie that I'm more privy to agree with the person sitting down, especially yeah. if there are seats. Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, at a certain point after the band has done their opening number and everyone's ecstatic and most people sit down, yeah. everyone should usually sit down. But there's always mm-hmm. going to be some people that don't. And there's alcohol mm-hmm. involved and there's drugs involved and people are going to do their own thing. I always lean more to the side of sitting down all the time. But I totally understand that in, in that environment, you're gonna that, that's never going to be the case where 100% of people usually sit down. Yeah. It's the same at sporting events and other stuff like that, where there are moments to do it, there are moments not to do it, but you're always yeah. going to have a mixed mosh of, of people doing mm. it either way. And I think speaking of like experiences you pay for, I think I've been seeing a lot of like work will go into airplanes very quickly experiences you pay for people are like i paid for this experience like everyone here paid for an experience and we didn't all pay for the same experience but like we all paid when people are like i paid to be here it's like so did the other twenty thousand people watching harry styles at this moment like 
We yeah. all paid to be here. Someone paid for me to be here. Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's the entitlement of like, it's like, show me, where's your manager? Where's the manager? Oh my God, of, yeah. Where's the manager of the Hollywood Bowl? Like, I need to know who to talk to. And it's like, sometimes there is nobody to talk to. You just need to be okay with the situation and you need to let go. There's this trend on TikTok about people being like, someone being like, excuse me, ma'am, like, can you move like your seat? Me and my family want to sit together. And like everyone being like, hell no, like you paid for your seat. You don't need to get up. Here's where I stand similarly to kind of concerts. I think, I think you are entitled to ask. I think people are entitled to ask for a little more convenience and see if the other person has pity on them, has empathy, whatever it, God's will, whatever it may be that day. You have a right to say, you have a right to ask. They have a right to give whatever answer they want. And then after that, the way you react is the issue. And same thing, if the person, when you ask, like, can we switch seats? And they're like, they berate you, they lose. Because even if they had, even though they paid, like, they lose. It's kind of like, we started this, like, with, like, the smack. Like, anything that, like, let's just say, like, Jordan Poole did a lot to, like, lead up to that. and Or Draymond did, like, Poole Jordan was harassing him or whatever. Anything before that moment is now, does not count. Because you yeah. did like the, the, you did something like bigger and created a larger issue with your one action. So it's like, if someone's like, hey, at a concert, like, hey, can you sit down? And they respond like, no, like you shouldn't have come here. That's rude. And even though you're right, you don't need to sit down. You're the asshole. But yeah. if you say, hey, can you sit down? They say no. And you're like, but I asked nicely. And you berate them. You're the asshole. Yeah. There's like a pendulum like going back and forth with that. And I actually have the perfect, like something that relates to this, that's the perfect segue to airports. Like, we go. There was a, we were on a flight to Hawaii and there was, um, and so we went there and um, we were getting into our seats and we sat down and we like were face forward and we see this lady come, or yeah, we see this lady come up and go to her, what she thinks is her seat. Uh -huh. And this other lady is sitting there and she's like, this is my seat. You're sitting in my seat. And the lady there, who's obviously sitting with her her husband or whoever, yeah. is like, oh, well, my husband's sitting here. So I figured I'll just sit here and you wouldn't have a problem switching no, spots. absolutely. No. Exactly. And so you the don't lady- You don't get to assume that. You get to assume that and so the lady sitting down already in the seat was a very more brash emotional person and the lady oh, who wanted to sit there was not going to confront her and so she was like okay i guess i'll go sit in your seat but it's like absolutely not that is not like you don't get to assume that you'll switch spots with that person you can ask absolutely. that person you can exactly. say hey my husband's sitting here can i sit can i have the seat and they could say yes or no which i would say fuck you no like yeah. not big that's just it unless she asked nice which i at that point if i'm traveling alone it's not a big deal but if i was that lady and and she was like oh i'm already sitting here i figured we can switch seats i would say fuck you get out of my i seat. don't know you yeah no you didn't ask get out of my seat that's my seat like i would it's to your point like you you came with violence and now i'm yeah. gonna meet you there and you're gonna get out of my seat and you're gonna i that is my seat yeah and I will get yeah. people involved because you're being an asshole already. Yeah. Um, My God. And you're entitled to do that. Or you feel like you're entitled to do that. But yeah. The main point of this trend was mothers who wanted to sit with their kids. And a lot of people were like, no. And the thing is, people are like, buy your seats together. And the thing is, yeah. I think there there are situations like where like some airlines, like you can't afford it. And I'm not trying to get into the classism of it. But like for me, like my rule is kind of like, how long is my flight? Like it. I, if it was a mother with kids, I personally have a soft spot for like mothers with young children. So depending on how inconvenienced I would be, I'd probably take it if it was domestic, international, like no way in hell. Like I pick my international seats very carefully and I will pay what I do for the convenience because being on a plane for 13 hours after having to do multiple projects on 9-11 is like not my jam. 
Mm-hmm. But like I plan very well. I normally take Southwest set timers so I can make sure I'm in as close to a boarding group. The one time I didn't was at your wedding reception because my flight was at night and I forgot and I was so mad. They like luckily it was on the way home, but they like my suitcase like got a little like too chucked around because it had to be under. I was like, thank God my dress for the wedding was not in here when this happened because like <laughs> it would have been horrible. I understood my personal punishment for being in group C was because I did not check in on time because I forgot to set an alarm that day. Yeah. Not because anyone else's responsibility for that choice. You weren't you weren't gonna go to the seat that you wanted to get and be like, hey, I'm in the seat. Can you switch me? Oh yeah, no. Like I get it with kids and whatnot, but it's also you need to understand what you what you've done or or you you slacked on the time or for whatever reason you weren't able to book the seats like at a certain point. It is what it is. Like because just because you didn't you didn't think ahead means that you can yeah. put on something else who did think ahead. But yeah, that that drove me crazy. The airport and and people, it's not, I like flying. I like the Same. process of flying. It's, it's the people that make airports and flying bad because it's just a cacophony of bad people and bad habits. Like, I think that the things that drive me crazy are... Security. I'll well, start security. Yeah, that's the typical thing, right? It's not moving in the line at a good pace when you're supposed to. Oh, it's not even that. Like, before you take the last turn, similarly to you in coffee shops, my shoes are off, my jewelry's off, yes. my laptop is in a bag. Frankly, I've gotten, TSA, I hope you don't hear this, I've gotten away always bringing more toiletries, and now I have pre-check. But, like, I don't take my laptop out. I know what the little card says I do and do not need to take out, and it is done, and my shoes are off in my hand, four to five people ahead of me, and I'm just walking barefooted, or unless I'm, unless I'm in sandals, because then I'm in sandals, yeah. so I don't need to. But, like... Don't take your wedding ring off there. Don't check your pockets when you're putting your suitcase into the cart. Yeah. You had time for that. Well, and don't act. Yeah. And the people that go through and then they get buzzed and they're like, oh, my phone. And it's like, you know, you know not to do that. But oh, my God. I think the biggest thing for me is this is all happening super frequently now, too. And I don't know if the planes are smaller, they're overbooking people or whatnot. But the whole, oh, we ran out of over overhead storage. We have to check in bags happens all the time and it happens like halfway through every flight and every time you go in and this has happened and i'll go into my personal experience with it but you can see that people's personal items are up there you can see that they have the bigger bag and the personal item up there and they don't do it underneath and it it got to the point where we had booked late one flight and so we were in like the the second or second to last group and so we got on and they start like when we got into the cabin and looking for space they, they announced like oh we're all out of storage so you have to check in your bag and there's still half the plane to board. And so I literally, as I'm getting close to my seat, I literally looked up into the spot above and I pointed to the stewardess and I was, and I pointed to the person sitting there and I was like, are those both your bags? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, they need to move that under their seat because I need to put my bag there. And they did it. But it's like one, flight attendants, I get it. They have a shit job. It's just like working any service or retail or whatnot. I don't, I, I empathize them more. But also, yeah. you know, in that job, you have to set rules and you have to have confrontation. Like that is part of your job, unfortunately. You can see people doing it. Tell them not to do that. Tell them not to do Is it like social courtesy or like, are you really not? I You're not supposed put- to. Okay, because I'm like, I always, I run anxious, so I always want my bag, like, under if I can fit it, so I don't understand, that mentality just, like, is beyond me, like, like so you're not allowed to, like, one is supposed to go up, and one is supposed to go under the seat. Your, your bigger, your bigger item, if you bring two items onto the, onto the thing, it's your bigger item is supposed to go under, uh, no, your personal item is supposed to go okay. under, and your bigger item goes on top. In no scenario are you supposed to put two, both of your bags up top, so, okay. and that's the rule, that's what they say, that they tell okay. you all the time. 
And so people still do it on every flight because they want some extra leg room or whatever. And so that one time I was like, no, I'm not checking the bag. I hate going to baggage claim. I purposely, I I purposely pack the way I do. So I don't have to go to baggage claim and spend 30 or 40 extra minutes. And so that was the one time where I was like, no, 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 I'm not checking. I see this person has multiple items up here. There's nothing under their seat and they moved it. And so it's like one flight attendants, I get it. It sucks, but you have to, you have like, they're doing it right in front of your face and you can tell them two because you're, if you're, it's either you piss them off because, but at least they're following the rules or you piss other people off who are trying to follow the rules and have to now check their bags. And two, it's those people that put all their bags up there just don't give a shit. They don't care. And that's the thing that's frustrating is like, they don't care about following rules or they don't, they, all they care about is how it's impeding them or they don't get to put their stretch delays and do all that stuff and it's the same it goes to the other point of when you land and people just stand up right away and they cut you getting out of the plane all this stuff causing more of a traffic traffic jam it's like just follow an order follow the rules instead of like trying to get out 10 seconds earlier than someone or trying to put yourself in front of them like that's the other thing it drives me crazy it's I feel like a flight attendant could easily stand at the front of the plane and say, all right, we've landed. The door's open. Row one and two, go. Everyone sit. Mm -hmm. Three and four, go. Five and six, go. It's just everyone is a rush to to get on, get out, and be comfortable on a plane more than anything uh, or any other situation. It drives me insane. I am someone who I know this isn't good. I stand right away because I like to make sure I don't leave anything. I normally get window seats. So it's like I like the other people in front of me to know, like, I need to get off. So, like, don't take your time to do this. Well, I stand in my seat. I don't stand in the aisle. Oh, no, I stand in my seat. There was one example, or last time I was on flight flying back, I was standing up waiting for the rows to to leave in front of me. And this this lady on the opposite aisle, we were behind the emergency exit. So there was a spot for her to like go up and cut in front of people. And so I was technically next to go into the aisle after the row in front of me. This lady on the opposite aisle um, from me went uh, like cut in front of the row ahead, like, and then found her way to leave before me. And at that point, it's like, why was that necessary? We were about to, we were all, our row was about to leave, but you had to get out so quickly that you jumped over the row in front of us and like left before us. It was just a really rude, unnecessary thing. And it's just people, airports are just the, like I said, they're just the epitome of selfish this and unawareness or or no empathy towards anybody else that's that's going on or that's doing anything in the world it's it's airports are like there's this entitlement of i need to be comfy i need to experience it the way i need to and i need to put as many bags as i want up there and i need to be catered to as best as possible and they don't care about anybody else that's traveling with i guess that's the biggest issue i have you know people have done like the shopping cart test is like the true test of morality like whether you put and to me i think it's like airports it's like how do you act at the air like how do you act at the airport because i think similarly to how you treat services like the airport is a place that kind of is like the wild wild west it's a free-for-all people cut people do all this weird shit it's like what do you do at an airport and i think i just yeah to me it's like it's a lack of self-awareness and granted i think for a lot of people a lot of people i know are very anxious flyers and so i get wanting to be comfortable but what i don't understand like i promise i'll segue back um, my cousin is pregnant. I threw her baby shower last weekend and I got to feel the baby kick, which is a very exciting experience. 
but the thing is like i had her lead my hand to like push it and like because my thing is like the audacity people have to just do like to go up to pregnant women in public i just don't understand like what do you mean like you just like go up to women and touch their stomach and so for me similar in airport like the audacity you have to make the audacity that you lack the awareness of your comfort over thousands of other people like is just beyond me because like if I know I'm taking up two seats because like I have a suitcase or I'm traveling alone I'm a little anxious whatnot like my anxiety manifests I guess like me getting smaller and more like insulated so like the idea that like I'm nervous what am I gonna do take up a whole row of seats before we like get on the plane to nap like that's my plan it's also this disregard of rules like you mentioned the airports are the wild west and so airports have very strict rules like it's the one it's it's kind of a ironic thing that that people go to or travel through this these buildings or these planes that have really strict rules blatant rules like ticket seats or or how many bags you can take up or how you go through security or all these things you can bring on a plane and people just ignore the shit out of it and complain that you can't do it and it's like i don't know how to be more clear to you that there are rules here and you are not following that rule so you are in the wrong but they act like they are being infringed on not to get super political, but it's like the whole mask thing. It's like the law is to wear a mask. Why are you complaining? It's just a, it's a rule. Just do it. The rule is that you have one bag under the seat, one up on top. Just do it. You can't bring a water bottle through security. Just do it. Like you are not exempt. You are not special. Just follow the rules that are laid out on signs every 10 feet and are set over the intercom every five seconds and just follow them and just mind your business like i'm not special you're not special nobody is going to caveat you and you're just going to cause a scene so just do it like it's not going to harm you and i definitely have like hold space for because like flying traveling is like classism like sure maybe like you're ignorant but the thing is like your ignorance doesn't me doesn't exempt you from following the rules I didn't realize like, oh, I'm taking up six seats or I brought, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize both back can can go up there. Like for me, it's like, I don't understand like the dissonance of like, oh, I didn't know this. So therefore we all need to change to do it my way because I was ignorant on how we all do things here. Yeah, like a normal person would be like, oh, I didn't know that. Thanks for letting me know. I'll I'll change my behavior. Not, well, I didn't know. I wasn't told. So I'm just going to continue doing it. Like, that's just, that's such dumb logic. Like, it, like if you really, like, follow, it's like, I was, I didn't know, so I'm just not going to do it. Like, doesn't hold up. Well, it's not genuine, which means that they did know. They're just using it as an excuse. If they genuinely didn't know, they would be remorseful and then would do or follow the rule. But the fact that they say, well, I didn't know, so I'm not going to do it, means that they knew they're just using that as a crime. So to wrap things up, Matt, if you could build your perfect airport experience from like driving up to like landing, tell us what you would implement, what workers or what you would do to, to, to corral the wild, wild west at an airport. Oh man, you just find people, just find people. (laughs) Like I, I I half joke, but money is the thing that people listen to. It's a crappy thing because it's going to be, the only thing that really would change is, is hitting people in their pockets, but also having the service people hold the accountability of reprimanding people and that's not something that that people should or want to do mm-hmm. but like where are you finding people like if you take too long to get through security if you put your bag in the wrong spot like where do you think where are you find- it's not abiding by the simple rules right it's 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 the bag thing but it's also if there's a code that you're breaking like you're not supposed to bring food or drinks past the security and you want to do that or you're late to your flight and you want to stop the flight or you're being rude to a flight attendant or Ooh. 
causing a scene like there's harassment laws and rules on flights like you're not you can't harass flight attendants even verbally harassing them should be a fine there should be a limit and that's the same across any service customer service job you shouldn't be allowed to just yell at people or treat them a certain way and like the reason that people are enabled to do it is because there's no repercussions unless it gets really really bad or unless somebody catches it on video but yeah this is getting into a broad thing but if i own something or if i'm running the airport or if our you are using a service of mine you step on into my business or into the airport you abide by these rules i have the right to kick you out or fine you for that though that exists that is not something that's new to society it just doesn't nobody gets reprimanded for it and so i guess the thing that i would change is being just being more strict on that but i don't even know if that would solve it but that would be my ideal that would be my ideal airport utopia is that mm-hmm. people are held accountable for their misbehavior so we started with emotional boundaries and we ended with business boundaries yes yeah, businesses we, need to create more boundaries for how people operate within their establishments yeah and that's it's as with anything it's a tricky thing because you're dealing with personalities and so in a perfect world it's very cut and dry but in the real world it's obviously not so did we did we solve the problems of the world if people just take this advice we can go you and i can travel freely through airports we can get coffee now eat at restaurants the thing is the most extreme solution is just not talking to people or or just conversing or interacting which is not fun but with that it it can get messy so i don't know i hope i hope the trend of listening to people and and being open-minded and understanding that mental health and all this stuff is helping thing and not something that is an attack on you as a person is is more welcomed because i do think that it's obviously a a thing that needs to change in unison and one person can't do themselves so while we might make a difference with this podcast with a couple individuals i don't think that we're solving the world crisis of inefficiency anytime soon i think the big takeaway is start off by not considering your needs first. Like just try it. Just try considering the person you're interacting with, what they need or could need. Try putting that first. Yeah, try just practice thinking about a situation not in how you will, you would benefit from it. Think about how somebody, that's a good practice. Like next time you take you take an action or you do something, don't think about how you benefit from it, but see how, think about how somebody else might benefit from it or how their day might be made from that decision. And at the end of the day, you might be surprised of how good it feels to kind of make other people happy or to not have to worry about how it affects you as much. Because I do think that it, it is a good feeling to make a difference in other people's lives or in other people's situations rather than thinking about how you will be better off from it. Here, here, Matt. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to hopefully being on soon again. Once again, thank you, Matt, for guesting with me. It was awesome having you on and you have so much sage advice and practical wisdom. I might be biased though because I feel the same way majorly. And thank you to listening for this episode of In Omnia Product. Don't forget to rate, download, and follow on iTunes, Apple, and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. As always, where you lead will follow. So head on over to at Omnia Pod on Instagram and I'll let us know what you want to hear in the comments. Bye!